0: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for your power. We pray for your power upon each one of us to hear this morning. We pray for your power for our hearts to be receptive to your Holy Spirit. And I pray for your power to be able to speak your words today, to be able to exercise the gift that you have put within me and to do it in such a way that that not only would not dishonor you, but would bring glory to your name. And that we would all be enriched by the word of God today. And I thank you, and I pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we have been uh, working on this series called The Church, which is His Body. And we're in doing so, we're wanting to understand and grasp... <clears throat> the idea of the body of Christ in the earth what our mission is how we function why we function and to see our role in the earth today as as uh, the subjects of his kingdom doing his bidding and doing his work in the earth and uh, we we began a couple of sundays ago we began what basically amounts to a series within a series uh, and we started dealing with the spiritual gifts. Uh, today I've entitled "Leadership: The Leadership Gifts Part 1. We'll get to that in a moment, but I wanted to go back and do, do just a little bit of a review. And we defined spiritual gifts as, uh, as those things that are the impartation of the supernatural qualities of God the Father for the benefit of the body of Christ and the whole of the community. I'll read that again. Spiritual gifts are the impartation of the super... Everybody say supernatural. We understand that you and I, apart from God, have no supernatural qualities. But we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and so we have access to the supernatural. So the gifts are the impartation of the supernatural qualities of God the Father... For the benefit of the body of Christ and the whole of the community. So God imparts these gifts to his people so that he can benefit the church and he can benefit the community. And these gifts that he imparts to each one of us are supernatural qualities that we could not attain on our own. We could not produce on our own. And yet they are his qualities. The word that you would see in the original language in the New Testament for the word gifts is a word that we have actually adopted as an English word, and it's called charisma, where we get our word charismatic from. Charisma is portions of God's grace given to display His powerful presence of the Spirit, portions of His grace that gives us His presence and His Holy Spirit in the now. Once again, we are natural human beings until we are indwelt and baptized by the Holy Spirit. And now we have access to the supernatural. We have access to the eternal by his Holy Spirit. And we we have charisma. So everybody say, I have charisma. So you never said that in your life. I don't feel like I got charisma. Well, there's a magazine called charisma. You could hold that in your hand. No, you have charisma because each person, whether you know it or not, and whether you're functioning or not, you each person has been gifted by God to bring something to the table in the earth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 tells us that the gifts of the Spirit are the Holy Spirit manifesting himself. The gifts are the Spirit manifesting himself. Himself. It's not just God doing something, it's the Holy Spirit who is God manifesting himself in our lives in that moment. That's supernatural. Now, don't forget, and you've heard me say this before, that he gives us a supernatural mission. When you talk about go into the world and make disciples of all nations, you're talking about going into darkness that is being held by our enemy, and breaking the darkness off of that individual and seeing them translated or transferred into the kingdom of God or into the kingdom of His Son. That is a supernatural occurrence. I don't, anybody says, I don't believe in miracles. I ask them, how did you get saved? It's a miracle that God t- breaks us loose from the grips of the enemy and the kingdom of darkness and moves us, translates us, transfers us into the kingdom of his son. That's a supernatural mission. For you and I, as his feet on the earth, to accomplish this mission, we must have access to God's supernatural qualities. And thus, the spiritual gifts are the gifts of the spirit. When we talk about the Leadership Gifts, and we'll read that in a moment, this applies to the leadership gifts just as well. Or some people call the leadership gifts the five-fold ministry. We'll deal with that in a moment. But I want to make sure we understand something. A lot of times when we see or hear about five-fold ministry gifts or leadership gifts, We get a glazed look in our eye, and we have convinced ourselves that these individuals are more important than everybody else in the body of Christ because they assume a role of leadership. And the scripture is very clear that we should give honor to whom honor is due, and we should give double honor to those who serve in a place of leadership. It's very clear, but that doesn't make the gift more important. It makes the gift different. We're all differently gifted. And when you see someone who functions in a leadership or a five-fold ministry gift, don't think of that person as being more spiritual than you. Think of that person as having a different gift than you. You okay with that? I have to tell you that because... You know, like the graduate said, I used to couldn't spell graduate, but today I are one. Well, I are one. And I don't want anybody thinking because I'm gifted in a certain way of leadership that that makes me more spiritual. I love, you know, and y'all have done it to all y'all. Every one of y'all have been guilty. Uh, Brother Larry, won't you pray? Why? Because they think that I'm more spiritual or one person said, "Well, you're closer to God than I am." I said, "You're standing in the same room I am. You, you, you know, you're, you're only you're close to God." He says, "I am close to you all the time. I will never leave you." I won't. Ne- anyway, I do not get off on that. Ephesians four, verse seven. Uh, we'll begin reading, sort of in the middle of something. For you OCD people, just join me in getting getting over it. Uh, If you would stand while we read the scripture, Ephesians 4, verse 7, uh, and we'll come back, by the way, for those who are OCD, we'll come back and read the previous verses in a moment. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ we are to grow up in him, in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by, by every joint which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You can be seated. To each one, grace or charis was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We have a granddaughter named Karis. And the reason we have a granddaughter named Karis is because when my wife was pregnant with our oldest son, who will soon be 44, we went to a, a meeting with Derek Prince. And in the middle of Derek's message, I still to this day have no idea where this came from. In the middle of Derek's message, he said, oh, by the way, if you're having a girl, a great name to name the girl would be Caris. It's the Greek word for grace. And then he went back to his message. Well, back then, for you young folks, there was no ultrasound to decide what the what the gender of the baby was going to be. You just had to wait till the day. And so he was Caris until he was born. <laughs> and we had three more of those rascals. And so our son, Nate, when they had their first daughter, named her Karis. What is her middle name? Joy. Karis Joy. To each one, Karis was given according to the measure Christ's gift. Don't think of that as a limit or a limited supply. But think of that he gets his measuring cup out and he says, okay, I'm going to give this to you. And then I'm going to take this, and I'm going to give this to you. He measures out the carrots to each one. And you say, well, I don't feel like I have any of that stuff on me. Hey, it's dripping off of you. You just need to identify it and operate in it. Anyway, I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through this series, but I hope you can stay with me through the whole thing because you need the whole picture. And If not, we'll save the CDs for a piece or something like that, I don't know. Actually, we'll give them to you. Or you can get the podcast. First, I want to deal with the purpose of the leadership gifts. The purpose of these gifts. And he gives us, in the text, the Apostle Paul gives us the reason why God gifts certain people for leadership gifts. Once again, different gift, not better gift. Okay, I hope we're getting that. And the very first thing he says is that, we, he's, that Christ gave these gifts for the equipping of the saints. Now I know there's no metal with your image engraved on it, but you are a saint. You may not act like a saint, but you're a saint. I don't, I'm not always saintly myself. As a matter of fact, I'm rarely saintly myself. But the scripture teaches us that you are a saint by the work of Christ. And so the leadership gifts are gifted so that we can be equipped for the work of the ministry. Brother Gerard stood here last Sunday and talked about how that the leadership gifts were were to equip us. And how the, the, the fallacy, I think we're getting over it, but the fallacy used to be, hey, we hired the preacher to do all that, let him do it. I, I'm gonna go over here and, and sit on the creek bank. Let the preacher do all the, the evangelizing. Let the preacher pray for the sick. Let the but you folks are y'all, y'all getting it because uh, I can't even go visit somebody without somebody already been there or already there. Equipping, equipping is a is really a recovered wholeness, a recovered. And the truth is, listen, saints, the word in the in the original text. The word there for equipping has to do with setting a bone during surgery. Think about it. The leadership gifts are gifted through the Holy Spirit to do a work that is equivalent of setting a bone during surgery, making things aright. And so this great quote that I've got from the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, some of you have them. The Spirit-Filled Life Bible said... The great physician is now making all the necessary adjustments. So the church will not be out of joint. Making all the necessary adjustments. And one of the ways that Christ is doing that is through his leadership gifts as they exercise that gift. He he also says that they're for the building up of the church. And that's a little more than just edifying. Edifying strengthens us and helps us. But it's really, the, the, the word there is a term of architecture. It's actually a word to do with building a structure. And the tense of the verb tells us that it's a process. So we're, we're, what we're seeing is the building up is the building of a structure and the process of doing that. And so the gift that comes through, the message and the training that comes through the leadership gifts helps us to set the bone in place, but also helps us to to allow God to continue to build that structure. And we do know that that structure is not mortar and stone, but it's organic. It's his church. It's a process. And then he says that we would all come into the unity of the faith. Can I tell you that one of the reasons, one of the goals, one of the the missions of anyone bearing a leadership gift is to see God's people come into unity of the faith? The scriptures, the verses we did not read earlier say there is one body and one spirit. Do I have, yeah, there we go. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope. That belongs to your call. Do you see a common word there? One, yeah. The next one says this. One Lord, one faith. Everybody say "One one faith. One baptism and then one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One faith. Now, we might see things from a different perspective. Last Thursday, we had almost around 20 of the pastors back here in the fellowship hall of the Everyone's Wilson group. And and they asked me to pray. And the first thing that came to my mind was that we had all of these folks standing here, Methodist, Baptist, Missionary Baptist, whatever we are, and several other, you know, variables. And it occurred to me that we are all standing in this room with different perspectives and different viewpoints about the Scripture and different emphasis But we all gravitate around one thing, and that one thing is one person, and that is Jesus Christ. And we had unity of the faith. We didn't have unity of doctrine. That doesn't matter. What matters is that we have unity of the faith. And I want to tell you that the church will not have unity of the faith without the exercising of the gift that's in the leadership gifts. I didn't say that. I, uh, it's right there in the black and white. He also says that we would come into a knowledge of the Son of God, and that is more than just having a uh, information or even acknowledging this God. It's actually an intensified pursuit with an intent to know. Those of you uh, uh, hairy-legged young men, there was a day when you were intensifying the pursuing someone and if you you got you caught her you proposed hopefully she said yes excuse me and you really wanted to know who she was and this is the this is the word that paul's using for our coming into a knowledge he goes on to say that we as God's people would no longer be susceptible to every wind of doctrine, every little thing that comes blowing through. Uh, How many of you know there are things floating around the church today that are not necessarily biblical? Now, I'm not about to say that the whole church is is gone down. I'm I'm saying that there are things and there are certain places and certain corners when people are taking the word of God and either closing it or altering it, or adjusting it to their own whims, and um, and we hopefully embrace the truth of the scripture. And that the last thing was that he we would speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. This uh, I have a friend, pastor friend, minister friend, who sends me jokes. Um, not all of them can I share here, uh, especially since we're being recorded. But he sent me one the other day. It was funny but true. It said, uh, you might have seen it. It was uh, on Babylon B. It says, Evangelical, mistaken for Mormon after treating everyone with kindness and respect. <laughs> Now, our next-door neighbors are Mormons. Well, now they are. One day they won't be, but how many of you know those people are usually our kind? And and they do. But how many of you know some of the evangelicals are not? Just dial up Facebook. It doesn't take you 30 seconds. We have to be able to speak the truth, the uncompromised truth, but in the love of God. Without being confrontational and caustic and abrasive and without having our feelings hurt and list goes on and on and on. And one of the ways the scripture teaches us that we get there is through the ministry of the leadership gifts. So we're going to deal for, we're only going to deal with two today. So don't get nervous. We're going to deal with two of the, and I've named this the five or four leadership gifts and I'll deal with it. Anyway. Some, we're not even going to deal with the pastor and, and teacher gifts today, but some believe, and I'm not, I'll deal with it more then, I'm not opposed to the idea that maybe that those are the same gift. As a matter of fact, your ESV, those of you that are holding an ESV, your marginal note says shepherd hyphen teacher there. But we'll come back to that, and that's why I put five or four. I don't get bent out of shape either way. There's a gift of the apostle. So well, I thought that was gone. Well, I hope by the time I'm done, you'll understand something about that. Uh, the apostle is simply, or an apostle is simply a word that means one sent forth. That's the word we get out of the original. It's really a delegate or a representative to the person who sent him into the mission. Uh, C. Peter Wagner gives us a definition. I'm going to add a little bit to the end of it. But his definition of an, of an apostle was an apostle is a, is a Christian leader gifted, taught, commissioned, and sent by God with the authority to establish the foundational government of the church within an assigned sphere of ministry by hearing what the Spirit is saying to the churches and by setting things in order accordingly for the growth and maturity of the church. And what I'll add is making sure that all of that fits into the context of the Word of God, the Scriptures. But to say there are no apostles today is missing something. And to say that that there was only 12 apostles is missing a point. And I'm going to give you just a list here. I cannot comment on this. But beyond the 12, beyond the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles who followed Jesus around, we have one called Paul, the Apostle Paul. We have James, the Lord's brother. We have Barnabas, who was an apostle. We have Adronicus and Junius, who were apostles. Apollos, Sylvanus, and Timothy were all referred to as apostles, Epaphroditus. Uh, the word there in Philippians 2 says messenger, but the Greek word is the same as Apostle, And then in 2 Corinthians eight twenty three we have some unknown brethren who are labeled as apostles. So we cannot say that apostles were limited to the original 12. Don't leave me until I finish today because I'm going to come back to that. But we, we cannot say there were only 12. You start adding those up, you've got a large number, and that's not all of them. Uh, I will say this. All five of the leadership gifts or we, are, we see them in the Lord Jesus, all five. Jesus is our apostle. As a matter of fact, Hebrews says, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. And he is an apostle because Jesus was sent forth by his father. He was, he was sent forth from heaven to earth to assume his position as one of one of us, to become like one of us, to become a human being, to lay aside his privileges. He, he did not, when he was on earth, he did not lay aside his deity. He laid aside his privileges. Some versions say he emptied himself. And he came to earth, and the Bible is very clear that while he was on earth, he functioned by the power of the Holy Spirit. He functioned with the gifts of the Spirit. All the gifts that we'll talk about, we will see them in Jesus if we'll just look. Jesus was the apostle, and so he was sent forth by his Father to the earth with a mission. So therefore, he fits the description of an apostle. And once he was here, he sent out his disciples into a mission. You can find that in Matthew 10 and Luke 10. And then once the apostles had been sent out and become the leaders that God designed them to be, they sent out disciples after having been sent. They, they established churches, they established communities, and they began to send people out into the community with the gospel. And that's the song we sang this morning was He sent us out. Somebody's Apple Watch just went off. The apostolic gift always sends us out. We've got to be careful that as ministers and as leaders, that we do not try to corral a crowd. We do not try to build an empire, but that we, we have been sent to do a mission and that we in turn would send out those people who are under our care under our leadership so that they could go out with the gospel and with the message of God. God is a sending God. God's ministry are sending ministries. You and I have been sent and that goes on and on and on. The second gift we'll cover today is, and I'm going to come back to that apostle thing in a minute. So hang on, hang on is the prophet. Once again, you know, I've heard, you've heard, well, there are no prophets today. And, and, you know, the group I was in at one time, they tried to, to take the, the prophet or prophecy and said, so, well, that's nothing more than preaching from the pulpit. Well, that's awfully limiting. And I don't believe that. A prophet is one who proclaims or tells a message he has received. It's, it, it is an announcer. It is one who speaks forth. I want to say to you that the Old Testament prophet was heavy on predicting the future. That has not ceased, but the, but it was more predicting the future than than most anything else. I don't know why I can't explain this, but once we get into the New Covenant, we still have prophets who predict the future and some who don't, some who try. Um, but we have, but what we have today is more. Of a person speaking forth. F-O-R-T-H. What they see and hear by the Spirit of God. Speaking forth. Speaking. A prophet speaks into the moment. A prophet speaks where we are. Uh, Not just telling us stuff we didn't already know. But saying things to us. That are meeting us where we are. And they're in that moment. I was in a group the other day. Talking about. We were reading Hebrews thirteen. I don't know how we got off on personal prophecies, and one of the brothers said, "Well, that scares me to death. People trying to tell me what God told me to tell me." I said, "Well, I understand that, but you don't have to be scared." And I, you, know, you all know what I am going to say. Most of it's been here a while. When someone gives you a personal prophecy, when someone says to you that the Lord showed me this about you, don't get scared. Just take it and put it over here, and just leave it there. Unless, y'all heard my story, probably tired of hearing it. I'm 18 years old, 19, I forget. Young man comes up to me at a Jimmy Swaggart meeting, says, have you ever gone to get the laundry for your mother and you bring it in the house? I said, yes. Do you look back? You dropped a sock and a washcloth and some other things along the way. And I said, absolutely. Should have got a basket. And he says, the Lord says to you, that you're dropping, you've dropped some things and you need to go back and pick them up. I knew exactly what he meant. Because I knew since I was 14 that God was going to call me to be a minister, but I wasn't all that excited about it. But I knew exactly what God was saying through this fella: You need to go back and pick up what I've already put on you and pick it up. And so I did. Now, there's, that's great. Well, what if somebody says to you something like that? And you don't have a clue what they're talking about. You just sit over here on the shelf and you leave it alone. Don't, don't, don't disregard it. Don't bury it. Just sit over here and go about your business. And one day, if that's God's word, one day you will be, the Lord will be ministering to you or somebody will be saying something to you or you'll be hearing someone preach or teach and you'll be sitting there and you'll go, oh, I remember that. The Lord is speaking something to you, and you remember that it's the same as what that person told you that day. And there are, there are there, uh, uh, obviously, there's the other side of that, that whatever you put over here on the shelf will rot because it wasn't God. So don't get nervous because someone says they're a prophet. By the way, everyone can prophesy, not everyone's a prophet. Hmm. How much time I got, phone Someone has defined prophets as governmental men set into office by the call of God and recognized and released through the delegated authority of the church. Jack Hayford says this about the prophetic. He said, the prophetic ministry should have a base of accountability where the person's ministry is nourished, prayed for, and sent forth with accountability. And the reason is, is, it's, is that we have had a plethora of people who, who buy themselves a title that says, I'm a prophet, and they hang it around their neck, and they go out and start doing things and saying things and going places, and they have no accountability whatsoever. When someone wants to come here and minister at Abundant Life Church, I have uh, one main question for those folks is, who are you accountable to? Who is your pastor? Who is your apostle? Who is it or what is it that you submit to? And the second question is, have they authorized you and sent you to do what you want to do? Well, a lot of times I don't get past the first question. You know, we get all kind of faxes and emails and all letters. Man, I had one guy from England just bombarded us constantly, just almost insisting with anger that I should let him come here and preach. And I don't know that guy from, I, I probably know Adam's house cat better than I know him. <laughs> and the same thing happened. I got a, a letter not long ago from a group in, somewhere in England, a very, a legitimate group of folks, but they wrote me this letter saying we want you to come speak at our conference in such and such time and such and such day. And this, you know, we'll pay for your flight. We'll do all this other stuff. I looked them up. They were a legitimate group. They were having a conference, but I wrote the, the guy back and I said, sir, I don't know you, and you certainly don't know me, so I think it would be better if we just let that go. I'd have to respectfully decline your invitation. And I hadn't got any room, I hadn't got any time for someone who tells me they're a prophet, but they don't have anybody to be accountable to. Jesus was the prophet. Matter of fact, here's one of the problems we have is that certain groups of people want to refer to Jesus as only a prophet. Acts 3, 22, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers, and you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. That's because Jesus Christ represented, while he's on the earth, he represented God the Father to man. Philip said, we want to see the Father. We want to show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. He represented the Father to us. That's prophetic. That's prophetic. When we as a community, and I'll get to that in a moment, but when we as a community speak however we speak to the community, we are being prophetic. A prophetic community is a corporate people who see the purpose of the church and who have a passion for God and his presence. We see the purpose of the church that we are to represent God to the the society around us. We are to represent God to the community in which we live and minister to the place in which we have a sphere of responsibility. And in that sphere, we have an anointing from the throne to issue prophetic utterings. And I don't mean standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm saying that we present to the community, this is who God is. This is what God says. And this is what we want to see God do. That's prophetic. There's room. There's certainly room for someone to to uh, issue a word of prediction of the future. And there's also room for all of us to say, okay, now we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with that. Don't ever, everybody say don't ever. Don't ever alter your life or your decisions or your directions based on a prophetic word. Never. Never. Somebody says, well, I think you need to go to Africa. Well, I'm going to go home and pack. I love the story of Bob Mumford said, the Lord said, I'm going to send you to Africa. So he went home, started packing, selling his house, selling his furniture, getting ready to go. And five years later, wound up going. Don't ever change what you're doing because somebody says, thus says the Lord. But also, as I said earlier, don't totally disregard that either. Put it over there and leave it alone. Each local church is designed to be a prophetic community. We are designed to present Christ to those around us. Both through word and deed, we're presenting Christ. The prophetic gift, I'm just going to say two things. The prophetic gift teaches us that we represent Jesus to our world. We represent Jesus to the world. That's prophetic. Every one of us have a prophetic uh, bent towards that. And it also calls us to stay connected to the pipeline. The prophetic gift is intended to cause us to want to stay connected to the pipeline of his Holy Spirit and his word. We want to hear what he has to say. We want what he says to fit into the context of the scriptures, but we want to hear what he has to say. We want to hear what the Spirit of God says. We want to, we want to be able to move. Somebody said, the day, well, you know, if it's not in the Bible, it can't be true. And I said, well, 33 years ago, the Lord spoke to us and said, move to Tennessee. I hadn't found that in there yet. I mean, there's a word in there about Dothan, so we could have moved to Dothan, Alabama. You've got to be able to hear the Spirit of God and then let it, let it rest in the whole counsel of the Scripture and your other, in the multitude of counselors, their safety, by the way. Somebody ought to write a proverb. <laughs> Psalm 139 says, Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You know it. Before I've said a word, before I've presented You, before whatever's happened has happened, you know it all. Prophetic. The apostles and prophets. I want to just finish by saying a word about apostles and prophets. When we talk about apostles and prophets and modern-day apostles and prophets, we must make a distinction. Between current apostles, who I think, I mean, there is a legitimacy for current apostles. Not everyone wearing the tag around their neck is an apostle any more than everyone wearing a pastor tag around their neck is a pastor. But there must be a distinction between those who are current apostles and those who were the foundation of the church. There is a distinction to be made between the original 12 disciples and in the, in, in the apostles, and what we have today as apostles. The apostles who are working today and sending people out and establishing spiritual communities are not, the church is not being built on them. It's already been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Ephesians two nineteen. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household. Having been built. So everybody say been. That's past tense. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And here's the key. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In some versions we'll say the chief cornerstone. We must be able to give the the correct and the proper honor to those apostles that Jesus personally chose and that he left behind who established the church. We must give special honor to those people, but leaving room for current apostles. Revelation says this, 21, 14, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations. Interesting that it would say 12. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I'm not discounting modern-day apostles. I'm not discounting modern-day prophets. I'm simply saying we must make a distinction between the original 12. It says 12, not 13 or 113. We must make that distinction and leave room of honor for those that God used as the foundation of, for the church, the apostles and the prophets, keeping in mind that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. Are you okay with that? I hope so because I ain't got anything else for you. <laughs> Let me pray. Then we got one more thing we need to do before we finish. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the word of God that teaches us. We're so grateful that you saw fit to anoint these authors, to write down under the, under the inspiration and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, to write these words down. But not only that you would just give us words, but that now as we read these words, the same Holy Spirit that inspired these authors now illuminates these words to us. And I pray today that we would have a grasp, or maybe a new grasp, of your leadership gifts that you've placed in the body. We recognize they're not the only gifts, and they're definitely not the most important gifts. But we recognize that they are gifts, nonetheless, that you've given us so that we could be the people that you designed us to be. Continue to teach us. Continue to help us identify these gifts and to allow the ministry of these gifts to to come into our lives so that we certainly would be built up. We certainly would be equipped. We certainly would walk in the unity of the faith and so forth. Thank you, Lord God, for the work that you're doing. And I pray in your name. Everybody said amen.